doing, Jeff? Good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, what yeah. have you been up to since the last time we spoke? I've been uh, working on uh, some events that are going to be launching next year, early next year, and I've been finishing up Sophistry and getting that into a nice, uh, playable, promotable shape. Yeah, that's good. Um, so you've gone over the beta and everything went well with your presentations. I'm really happy to hear yeah. that. We survived. We scraped through. <laughs> <laughs> the um, up and downs, that's, that's always interesting to talk about. But mm. what we did want to talk about is a topic that I think is also important to the listeners and future guests. No fingers pointed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, critical thinking. Now, I know that you have participated in a lot of groups that are centered around critical thinking and have these discussions with and or debates. Correct me if I'm wrong. I like to call them discussions. A debate is like a contest where one person wins and one person loses, whereas a discussion is for everybody to contribute and learn from each other. That's perfect. And um, I'm guessing you guys do it in a more scientific manner. I wouldn't say that. We do it in, we try to be reasonable and philosophical okay. and uh, to, to bring scientific studies to bear when they apply. But um, the questions we talk about are more about ethics and values uh, or politics. Uh, so they're not so much scientific, they're just controversial. All right. Uh, and can you help some of the listeners that are listening in on right now? understand what critical thinking is. Yeah, and uh, today we want to come at this from a specific angle, which is the angle of, of wishy-washiness or uh, vague, ambiguous thinking and the, the opposite to that that you want to achieve, which is called perspicacity, which means um, clear, insightful thinking. And uh, so how do you identify the, the, the flaws in your thinking and how do you make your thinking stronger? Okay. All right. Um, and so you, sorry, you said, so what is critical thinking? That was yes. your first question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, in, in this case, I like to use the, what I call the cooking analogy, which is imagine a person who has to cook a meal, but who's never learned anything about cooking in their whole life, right? What's going to happen with this person? They're going to go into the kitchen whatever they make is probably going to be terrible and they might even kill themselves, right? They might get food poisoning or chicken that's half cooked and um, it's going to be a really terrible result. But then what happens if you send this person to cooking school for a few years? There's a couple of different things that they learn. The first is that they learn different techniques, right? How to store food, how different ways of cooking it, pan frying it, deep frying it, baking, poaching. They also learn uh, principles of cooking and measures of quality, right? How do you balance flavors? How do you look for the right texture in food? Uh, quality control, tasting your food, adjusting the cooking as you go along. And I like to think that critical thinking is the same way, just like you learn different methods in cooking school, you learn different methods of how to properly think. Uh, you learn principles of critical thinking, like intellectual courage and intellectual humility that help you to be a stronger thinker. And you also learn uh, quality measures. How do you inspect your own thinking and determine whether you're actually thinking properly or improperly? Uh, that's actually an interesting point that you just brought up is that how, 
when you're thinking, how do you know that you're thinking properly? Because I'm guessing we like we kind of previously uh, talked about overthinking when you're just like wasting your time on a mm -hmm. certain subject. I'm guessing that would be thinking poorly. Yeah, that's like uh, being on a treadmill, I guess. It's okay. it's I guess it's good in the sense that you're you're at least making an effort to think. You're at least questioning yourself and that's the that's the beginning of critical thinking. You have to before you can think critically, you have to be open to the idea that maybe there are some flaws in your thinking. But if if somebody feels that they're overthinking, then they're missing that technical knowledge where they know uh, what what domain of thinking they're in and how to and which tools to apply. For example, uh, if you're struggling with uh, an ethical or a moral question, what is right and what is wrong, that's different from struggling with a scientific question, uh, like I have this medical problem, what's the right treatment for me? Okay. And usually when you're in situations like those where you... Uh... I don't know all the domains of thinking, but let's stick to the two that you had sure. mentioned. Uh, let's say, for me, for myself, I'm a videographer, so a scientific question would be, on this scene, how would I be able to properly capture the tone of the, the, of the script and the setting through the... the Hey, we'll cut that part out. It'll be okay. Sure. But through the the, the the perspective of the lens, I don't I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Where like you would capture a certain scene at a certain angle. So let's say if I want to put you in a position of authority, but I still want to maintain um, a dark image. Are you talking about like the composition of the scene? Yes. Okay. But more specifically, like a, a just a certain shot like how I capture a certain shot. That's been, for myself, a certain struggle on some of the projects I've been working on. Do you mean artistically? Yes. Okay. So that's that's why okay. it's like from a scientific perspective because uh, there's a certain amount of technique that is required to put into it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like understanding how to get that shot perfectly so that when I put it into post-edit, it's just about doing the color grade and everything. It's just the at the post-production work that is required. Hmm. Um, and then for in terms of moral question, I'm guessing if I'm on a set and I have these people that are working with me, I might be getting paid, but at the same time, the amount that I'm getting paid isn't enough to uh, supplement everybody. Now I have a choice to make in terms of, do I just pay for the equipment and everyone's food or do I like actually fight for them and to get a better, uh, how you say, like uh, a compensation mm -hmm. like that, everybody could at least touch something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's roll with these examples. And this is all, <laughs> this is all kind of new to me, but, um, yeah, the first question I would say is, could be a scientific question, uh, or it could be an artistic question, a okay. philosophical question, um, in the realm of aesthetics. Um, if you want to make it something scientific is where you're testing an idea. So you might say, okay, this scene, it's going to look better. Uh, if I'm more in the shadow versus being, uh, more lit up, right? Okay. So you could film two versions of that scene, test them in front of various audiences and, you know, see which one people prefer. 
That would be scientific. Yes. Or if you want to make it artistic, you could say, you know, I I have this artistic vision. I'm presenting the character this way. And so you have a certain reasoning and justification. And uh, hopefully your audience is going to, is going to go along and be moved by it. That would be more of an artistic question. Yes. Uh, All right. Okay. So then I guess that's a different domain. Now I'm curious to know, how do you determine what domain you're thinking in? Um, Yeah, I guess sometimes it's pretty, it's pretty obvious, um, right? Like if I see some news on Facebook about how, uh, you know, new study says they've just cured cancer or whatever, then that's definitely a scientific question. some some questions fall into multiple domains, right? Like this earlier question could be science that you brought up, could be scientific, could be um, artistic. Your second question about how to pay people, that could be an ethical question, could also be a business question. Um, you know, maybe... So it basically stays in the, the topic of the conversation, like the topic of the thought process. Yeah, and to some extent, it could be informed by your values, right? Um, some people will say, I don't care about my workers. I just want to make profit. This is a business decision for me. Uh, another person might be more ethically or, or more uh, oriented towards concern for others and say, you know, if I'm going to fight for getting these people the right pay, and if that means that maybe this project's not going to succeed or my business is going to go bankrupt, then I'm going to do what I know to be right. Um, so I think part of it is is knowing your own values and what drives you. And uh, that helps you to, to make those decisions about how you want to, how you want to think about these different kinds of problems. I'm curious to know how else can you think about critical thinking and its uh, uses in your daily life? Hmm. Wow, I'm gonna have to think about that for a minute. Here's a part that's gonna get cut. <laughs> um, it definitely helps me. The two, I'd say, off the top of my head, the two areas where I notice that it helps me is one is in communication, and the other is in my own sense of confidence but not just confidence i guess my sense of maybe authenticity and um knowing that when i act i'm acting in alignment with my own values um to speak about communication ever since i noticed after i spent a few years studying critical thinking i added this new expression that i keep saying which is what do you mean by x Uh, And this falls into our topic of of how um, when people think it's often vague and ambiguous, and uh, I'm I'm trying to think of a a specific example here of when this has happened. (laughs) I'm sure it's happened to many of us. (laughs) Yeah, um, but I just noticed that I'm I'm much more incisive. I'm much quicker to notice when. Um, there are things in a person's thinking that are unclear or, or maybe just in, in the way that they say things to me and I'm able to, to quickly 
I identify that ambiguity and, um, and and question it and cut to the chase of the matter. And uh, the other one is is about acting in alignment with your own values. If anybody's listening and hasn't taken the time to do this, uh, then an exercise that I would recommend is to sit down and think about what your personal values are. Um, are, are you motivated in life by uh, family, loyalty, honesty, uh, inquisitiveness, humor, joy? What are the things that you you really value that you want to pursue and fight for in life? And um, the importance of critical thinking is that it helps you to recognize when you are or are not in alignment with your own values. Take the the classic example that I'm I'm always fighting against is people who care about health and medicine and who want to who, who want to help others by spreading information about uh, you know new medical cures, new medical science. But a lot of those people, especially if you're seeing them on Facebook, are not really informed about medical science. So you see all these Facebook posts coming through, right, about how vaccination is bad for you or every week there's some new cancer cure or just all these weird medical cures that people are always spreading on Facebook because they want to be hopeful and they want to share good news and, and they believe that these cures work, but in a lot of cases they don't. And so when you're spreading health misinformation, even if you want to help people, still you're still doing harm. So uh, we say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions and critical thinking is how you, uh, you get that road going in the right direction uh, and, and make sure that what you do is really in alignment with your own values. So I'm guessing in this situation, if you were to see these posts, you would one ask yourself, okay, what is this? What's this vaccine? What is it made of? And what does it do to, like you would do your own research on what's being informed to you before you decide to share it with others. Yeah, do your own research, um, but also uh, rely on on the research of experts, um, right? Uh, it's easy to, when you say do research, and I'm making air quotes, uh, <laughs> it's easy to just uh, read a few articles that tell you what you want to hear. But when you do research, you want to make sure that you listen to different sides, uh, that you listen to what experts have to say and that you you be open-minded about it. Mm. Consult various viewpoints. And have your reliable sources. But critical thinking is kind of, it's a, a bit of a rabbit hole in the sense that you become, it's not distrustful, but you're always wary about what's in front of you and analyzing but sometimes you know like overthinking you could be overly skeptic and mm -hmm. that could just you spend two hours trying to figure out where this glass of water came from and if this is going to make you catch i don't know aids aids from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my impression it could go south very quickly if you stay at it too long mm. um so with that being said, I just wanted to know, like, how do you draw the line on, okay, this is all the information I need. You already know what result you're looking for, or you just look until you know when to stop. 
Yeah, I would say that to some extent, and I guess this is a little bit bad news, to some extent it comes with experience. And so the fact that I've been doing this for years uh, means that now when I'm faced with a scientific question, I, I can usually uh, resolve it to my satisfaction pretty quickly, whereas somebody who's never done that before might take a really long time to wrap their head around it. Um, but part of it is also I ask myself, what, what am I going to do with this information? So in the case of, uh, you know, for example, the, the, this classic example of people sharing bad medical advice on Facebook, um, I like to remind people that you actually, you don't have to pretend to be a medical expert on Facebook. Okay. You can just not share that information, yeah. right? So you don't, <laughs> you don't have to spend a whole eight hour day researching medical science, just don't share medical advice on Facebook, and then uh, you're at least not contributing to the problem. Yeah. Right? So you don't have to go down that critical thinking rabbit hole uh, unless you actually have a question that that um, is going to impact on you. And how would you practice this way of thinking? It's really difficult because the biggest barrier to critical thinking is our own ego. And so, and I think the biggest uh, danger that you can fall into is when your beliefs form part of your, your own personal identity. So that's when, when you identify yourself with some kind of objective claim about the world. So an example would be uh, if I say to you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a natural health guy you know, I, I believe in uh, healing ourselves with uh, natural products. I believe that nature is the, the right way. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, pharmaceutical companies and corporations are evil, <laughs> right? You can tell when somebody speaks that way that they're not just talking about things that they believe about the world. They're telling you about themselves. They're telling you about what's important to them and how they see themselves. And... Those are two different things that you don't want to mix. You don't want to mix your own sense of self and your own sense of value with these questions, objective questions about the world. Uh, are natural health products good? Is nature a, a good source of uh, health information or health cures? Those are objective questions. Uh, they could be answered scientifically. Um, I've rambled so much. What was your question originally? Uh, okay someone practice critical thinking okay and how can you introduce someone who has no idea where to start right right yes and we t so i was talking about that first barrier which is your your own image so um personal identity i mean so make sure that you um like we talked about before having a strong sense of what your own personal values are mm -hmm. uh, that's what should form your self-image uh, your self-image should not be constructed around uh, scientific or objective questions. Okay. Keep those things separate. Okay. And uh, you, like you just mentioned, you could lose yourself in these questions. How, like, how do you lose yourself in these questions? Because now that you're speaking about it, I, I desire to avoid that. <laughs> you mean like, how do you go down that the critical thinking rabbit hole, or not necessarily the rabbit hole, but in the sense you were giving an example of this. Uh, so the question is, um, well, that's kind of different, right? Like you're seeing something, are we recording?
yeah, like that's a case where you're seeing something in fiction and you might be motivated to emulate it. I think most people are able to keep that distinction. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> I've been meeting yeah. a lot of people that have no sense of distinction and I'm very surprised every time I see Really? That. Yes. Like they watch Game of Thrones and they think, oh, that, that's cool. We should live like that. Yeah, we should do that. People used to do that. This makes sense. Yeah, that's true, actually. There's, uh, <laughs> like, we talked about fallacies before. We talked about fallacies before, and uh, that's one of them, right? The appeal to antiquity fallacy. There's a lot of people that think uh, oh, the world was better 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago when things were simpler. Or yes. uh, I had more rights in that time, and I could have done more. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but... Yeah, and uh, I guess they forget that like one in five kids died before the age of five, and slavery was totally cool in a lot of places. <laughs> and you'd probably be a farmer doing backbreaking labor. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm happy I'm not. I'm or are we talking about how to like keep your identity, your sense of self, separate from? So, can you just explain to me how to keep your sense of self out of what you're interested in? In the sense of, um, let's say, I like the, what's the marauding nomadic tribe? Oh my goodness. Dothraki. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's say I like the lifestyle that the Dothrakis have, but I don't necessarily want to um, like, uh, do anything that they actually do in my real life. So how do you, how do you prevent yourself from turning into a Dothraki? That's yes. the question. <laughs> um, I guess that that would be an ethical question. Uh, and so you'd have to have a strong sense of your own ethics. Um, the, the question, as I see it, is is about how you how you avoid your own sense of self becoming entangled with these objective questions like what we were talking about before, um, where you have a person whose self-identity and sense of self, is tied into uh, questions about medicine and what what works and what doesn't in medicine. And you definitely have to recognize the difference between uh, things that are objective and things that are subjective. So objective means that it's it's about something that is in it's in the outside world. Okay. Um, right? We We have two glasses of water on the table here. Um, that's something that's an, that's something that's objectively true. Are these nice glasses? Would you want to have them in your own home? That's a question about your own personal preference. That's subjective. So definitely when something is a scientific question, uh, like what works and what doesn't in medicine or in health or in nutrition, those are all objective, scientific, empirical questions. Um, and again, this is why, and so you, you don't want those to form part of your self-image and, or your self-identity. And so that's why I go back to what we talked about before, which is knowing your own values, uh, and making, making those the foundation of your, your self-identity. So just the fact that I could turn off the TV means I shouldn't necessarily associate myself, not associate myself, but... Uh, necessarily emulate what I see just because I could just turn it off and make it disappear. Well, I think this is different because that's, that's a question. Uh, I mean, some things that you see on television might be very, uh, very good for you, right? You might see 
uh, role models on television who, who, who show you a way to be a better person. Um, so the fact that you can just turn off the TV uh, doesn't mean that you can't learn from it. Okay. Um, but uh, you want to have your own. Okay, let's let's use this <laughs> as an example to talk about your values, right? Um, okay. Right. Like, what are the values that uh, a modern person should have versus the values that the Dothraki have, right? So, a, a modern civilized person probably values human well-being. Uh, they might value education. They might value uh, community. Um, law and uh, citizenship, uh, individual rights and freedoms, like free speech. Uh, what do the Dothraki value? Uh, they value, I guess, um, I don't want to, maybe they don't value violence, but they value, um, I guess, violence as a way to uh, show their superiority or enforce their superiority. Well, I'm not necessarily an expert on their culture and or norms, but it did seem like a pretty civilized group, even okay. though that even though they were uh, barbaric in a certain sense, just because they had their own uh, rituals and laws and essentially their own democracy, because everyone followed it in a certain sense. Now this this could get fuzzy. Okay. But keep in mind that um, uh, respective of their own laws, and yes, they do use force to somewhat enforce them. But the the the, the mothers, the grandmothers, I forget the elders of the village, do kind of say how things go, and then you have the hunter who is the Dothraki god guy who's uh aquaman i forget his name oh yeah um, he's basically the one of the enforcers who just makes sure that everyone follows these laws okay uh this is a very simplified way of saying it but i i, I don't know if you disagree to that but that's how i see it <laughs> okay well i'm i've learned something i'm not an expert um but uh, okay well let's, let's compare them right so that that'd be what you would call uh, an authoritative uh, society, right? Yes. You have the, the grandmothers and the elders at the top who decide on, I guess, what the laws will be and, and how those laws will be enforced. And then they pass that down to the citizens. Uh, we have a different system here where it's democratic. So we elect leaders. Um, and uh, well, we also have laws. Um, I guess they probably don't have the same notion of individual rights and freedoms that we have. No. They probably don't value free speech. Uh, no, I'm sure they would cut your head off. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's consequences to to living in that kind of kind of society. Uh, I definitely prefer the kind that we have here. Yes. Yeah. We have a different kind. Of <laughs> it's amazing. I also wanted to know. If ever I wanted to use the approach of critical thinking to a debate or a presentation, how would I go about it? Um, what do you mean, like a, a presentation? Uh, let's say, let's say, I would like to prepare a proposal for some uh, potential investors and or a proposal for other colleagues, like people that I work with, just to help convince people 
Um, well, there's a number of different ways. One is that there's there's two sides to critical thinking, which you could think of as being like um, offense and defense. Okay. I often talk about it from from the defensive side, which is uh, where you kind of look at the world and you say that, and and you think that there's all these people who are trying to fool you or mislead you or misinform you or or who are maybe just accidentally passing you bad information. And uh, you have to defend yourself. You have to recognize the, that that misinformation and um, not be convinced by it. There's the other side, and and you can't learn you can't learn defense without learning offense, right? Uh, the other side of it is persuasion. So as you learn about critical thinking, you learn about cognitive biases and all of the different you could say errors or maybe idiosyncrasies of the mind. And persuasion is a big part of of knowing psychology and knowing how to, and, and I don't want to sound manipulative, but knowing uh, psychologically what people find persuasive and what they don't. Uh, so there's, there's that side of it. And uh, there's also, of course, the fact that a big part of critical thinking is learning logical reasoning and, and recognizing uh, when you might make a mistake in your proposal. Uh, when you might be um, making, for example, a sunk cost fallacy or um, maybe misreading some statistics about uh, the market that you're targeting, uh, you'd be much better equipped to recognize those errors and uh, correct them before you give that proposal to your investors. Um, at what point would you say you'd be comfortable enough, I'm okay with presenting this to this group? Um well, my my critical thinking approach to that is that I I try to view a lot of things in my life as being like a scientific experiment. Okay. So in the case of a proposal like that, um, I would not risk too much on any one proposal. I would do my best and I would be prepared to fail because definitely the first time you do anything, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're not going to know what those mistakes are before you start. Um, so, you know, like they say, there's known unknowns and unknown unknowns. And I'd say that... First time I hear that. But oh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any, any critical thinker should ask themselves, what are the, what are the things that I'm not even thinking about? Okay. What are the unknown unknowns? And the only way you're going to find those out is to do your proposal, submit it, see whether you succeed or fail. Uh, first time doing anything, you'll probably fail. And just learn from your mistakes and uh, fix them the next time. Makes just sense. like in a scientific experiment. You right. test, learn from it, test again. And just, hey, just make the process better every time. Yeah. The best you can. And um, that was good. My other question was in terms of changing your mindset, I know that there are stoicism is helpful for your emotional defense or just rational thinking mm -hmm. yeah and critical thinking would be for yourself the question is in terms of mindset how could you use critical thinking to change your negative viewpoints to something a bit more healthier in the sense of uh, stoicism really is for your emotional uh, mm. side, but critical thinking can be used 
Well, there, there's a rational side to critical thinking, but there is also an emotional side. Used for regulating your emotions. Um, well, it, it can be. Um, first of all, you have to con controlling your emotions is part of critical thinking because you're not going to be a good critical thinker if you're angry or if you feel threatened by uh, somebody who's trying to change your mind to an idea that, that you want to reject. Uh, and um, the, the technique of, from critical thinking about how you manage your emotions is that there's basically three main functions of the mind, which are thinking, feeling, and wanting. And each of those affects the other two, right? So uh, how you feel affects what you want and how you think. What you want affects how you feel and how you think and so on. But there's only one of those that you control directly, which is thinking. Your rational thinking is the only function of the mind that you have direct control over. So um, part of critical thinking is understanding that how you think, what you choose to focus your thoughts on is going to, down the line, have an impact on how you feel and what you want. Okay. Right. So Stoicism, in a way, would be an example of uh, a particular, or, or the, I guess you're talking about the Stoic split, um, right? Uh, working on what you can control and uh, not worrying about what you can't. Yes. That would be an example of a particular thinking technique that you use to control how you feel and what you want. All right. Uh, I guess then the question was going to be, how do you use critical thinking to uh, help improve your mindset? But you've already answered <laughs> as in just from what I understood. There are a lot of techniques that people offer you um, to, to change, how to change your thinking to affect how you feel and what you want. And I use critical thinking to figure out which of those techniques is actually uh, useful and which which are not. Uh, for example, one thing that people will say is, uh, think positive thoughts, okay. believe in yourself, yes. things like this. That <laughs> people say this all the time, uh, but I don't find those to be particularly good or useful advice. Because um, why, why is that? Sorry for getting wrong. Because they're um, they're vague and they they're just these kinds of things that sound they sound good on the surface but uh, they don't necessarily apply well in specific cases um, think positive thoughts yeah. uh, that can lead to delusion it can lead you to ignore or not consider certain problems that you need to solve in your life um, believe in yourself uh, I don't even know what that really means <laughs> uh you know but as an example of uh something that another technique that i consider uh useful is uh there's uh, someone named carol dweck who wrote a book called mindset okay. where she says instead of this kind of believe in yourself positivity mantra um what determines your success is how you respond to failure Okay. So somebody who responds to failure and uh, says, oh, I'm, I'm not good at this, uh, or who believes that they can never improve, that person is not going to do well. Whereas somebody who views uh, failures as temporary and says, you know, I failed this one time, but I can learn, I can do better next time. Uh, that's a person who's going to be successful. So 
that gives you an example of what I could I would consider a bad technique versus a good technique. Uh, and if anyone wanted to read up more on this topic of critical thinking, do you have like any books that you might suggest? Um, wow. <laughs> right off the top of your head. And we would always be able to... Yeah, off the top of my head, definitely the book that I 100% recommend is called Critical Thinking. Uh, I think uh, Tools for improving your personal and professional life. I think it's written by Linda Elder and Richard Paul. And that is really the book on critical thinking. Uh, it's it's a great book, highly informative. It's just, it's kind of long and kind of expensive. Um, and there are lots of other little books that you can read. I would say for somebody who's just getting into this, go on Wikipedia, read about the logical fallacies and the cognitive biases. And there's a really great podcast, actually. If, if you only look at one thing, I would say listen to the podcast, uh, which is called You Are Not So Smart, where uh, every, every podcast episode, I think they're about an hour long each, and they have interviews and stories, and each one is a really fascinating and engaging look at just these weird errors and idiosyncrasies of the mind that we're all prone to. Okay. And... Um, that that would be my recommendation, my number one recommendation. Perfect. You are not so smart. Perfect. Hey, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you again. This episode was brought to you in part by Sneaker Cipher. Oh, thank you. Keep that same energy. And as my good friend would say, remain unstoppable. Be well, y'all. Hey, are we done? No? Oh, okay.